week we went over the first four Jungian archetypes. We went over the king, the caretaker, the everyman, and the creator. We talked about these archetypes in their awesome form. (laughs) We talked about having them as just part of your dominant personality and what they look like when they're functioning really well. And then we also talked about when they're in their shadow form and what that means. So this week, we're going to continue on and we're going to talk about the next four archetypes. The first one is the innocent or the child archetype. Think of the innocent archetype as a newborn baby filled with nothing but optimism and joy. This is the part of our subconscious that is bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and sees all of the goodness in the world and just sees the good in people as well. This archetype reminds me of being in a deep meditation. You're unaware of the negative energies around you and you just emit pure consciousness to everyone and everything that you encounter. You work from a pure and true place when you work from your innocent archetype. This is the part of us that is easily pleased and is just honestly content. This is where we're able to be in a true state of contentment and at peace with the world around us. I will say that this is one of my top archetypes. It's not one of my shadows, but it is up there in my conscious world. I am one of those people who tend to just be kind of content all the time, and it's not that I'm complacent because I'm not. I work really hard and I have goals and I set them, I achieve them, but I am content with the world around me. I really am, and I do tend to see the good in most situations. I can be annoyingly optimistic, (laughs) I'll say. That's also a very Sagittarius thing to be just so optimistic that it makes you want to (laughs) puke. So that's very much me. Something else about this archetype is uh, forgiveness. It's when you desire peace and harmony for those that have wronged you, and that's when you experience true forgiveness. And using myself as an example again, I'm not a person who cares about revenge. I don't have those revenge fantasies. I don't think revenge is worthwhile or productive. I've never really been into it. I don't know. Revenge seems strange to me. It's a very strange concept to put all your energy into getting back at someone. Because generally, I think, again, I'm not well-versed in revenge, but generally when you're seeking revenge, I think it's because someone has wronged you. And if someone wrongs me, I either, one, walk away, or two, I forgive them and then walk away. Or you forgive them and you get over it. If it's a situation where you don't want that person in your life anymore, but you're still seeking revenge, it seems silly because you're still putting all of your efforts and motivations into that person. Everything you're doing has a sprinkle of that person, because they're your motivator. It's really strange. Revenge is strange, because the thing you dislike, or the thing you're getting back at, is your motivator. And that seems weird to me. But, you know, um, different things for everyone. So, if you're into revenge, I recommend, maybe, channeling that a little differently, but maybe it works for you. I don't know. Who's to say? I personally, as someone who has the innocent archetype as a strong one for them, I believe in forgiveness. And I do believe that when you forgive someone, 
you let go. And when you forgive yourself, you let go. And then you're no longer holding that burden. And I think that's a lot stronger than revenge, just in my opinion. People with this archetype as their dominant one are peacemakers, and they just have a really special aura or way about them. If you've ever met someone with just a pure sense of calm or just really is able to listen to you and put you at ease if you feel comfortable talking to them, that's this archetype, and that's when it's functioning on high. Zen Buddhists and meditation teachers come to mind here, people that have the ability to help you see the bigger picture and help you want to do the right thing. This archetype is one that leads by example. Their way of life inspires you to find your own peace and contentment in this world. Now, I'm not going to be pompous enough to say that I am like a Zen Buddhist teacher because I don't believe I am. But from what people have told me, I am easy to talk to. I do listen. And uh, I generally do try to lead by example. I don't think that preaching at people helps. An example I can give is my veganism, for instance. I never preach at people. I only answer questions. I only can... uh, lead by example when it comes to that. And honestly, that's what I've seen as most effective in trying to open up people's minds towards veganism is just being like, hey, this is what I do and it works for me. And I'm living a great life. If you want to live a great life too, these are the things that I do. I think I do relate a lot to this archetype. Again, it's not my top. My top ones will be in next week's episode. So you'll have to wait for that if you want to find out those secrets. But this is one that I do see for me and I do see, I think, for a lot of people in the spiritual community. I I think there's a lot of spiritual leaders and just really nice people. I feel like really nice, sweet people who have good, genuine hearts often embody this archetype heavily. Now, you may be wondering, well, if these people are so sweet and great, What's what's the shadow side of the innocent? Well, the biggest problem with these people is their lack of will. All the good and beautiful things about them can leave them open to the persuasion of others who do not have their best interests in mind. They often don't have a strong sense of self because they're detached. They're usually off in their own happy little content world, and they tend to ignore what's going on in reality which is why it can be easy for manipulative types to grab hold of them. The innocent shadow is naive and often wants to blame others for their shortcomings or when things go wrong. Innocents need others by nature. They are not strong-willed and they need others to survive. And this is typically okay if they surround themselves with people who are healthy for them. The innocent shadow can be found attaching to and defending someone who's no good for them. Everyone else sees it, but the innocent shadow refuses to believe that the person that they're protecting could be wrong for them because the person feels, and I say feels, integral to their survival. So what I'm saying is the innocent shadow really latches onto people and they don't want to let them go. They see the good in everyone and everything. It's like when you have that friend that's dating someone, and everyone can see from the very beginning all the red flags and all the horrible things, and you try to tell them, and then they just get mad at you, and then you have to just let them learn on their own. 
I'm not gonna say that that hasn't been me. (laughs) My friends have definitely had to let me learn on my own. The innocent is not a shadow for me anymore, but it used to be. It used to be when I was younger and I didn't have boundaries and I would just attach to people. Generally, in my dating life, I would really rush into different relationships and think, this is great, this is the best, they're the best, and they were not the best. (laughs) And if you message any of my friends, they will tell you they were not the best, but they couldn't tell me otherwise, and I had to learn on my own. So really, working with this shadow is about boundaries. And if you're not great at boundaries, then it's about finding people who you trust to help you form boundaries. This shadow can also occur in people who are overly sheltered early in life. It happens when they aren't allowed to explore, learn, or experience other people or just the world at a young age. And so those issues rear their heads in adulthood. I was lucky that I got this out of the way when I was younger and it's no longer around anymore. But it does tend to happen to people who lived that really sheltered life and their parents always protected them or they had an older sibling who always protected them. And then when they get out on their own, it's like, well, crap, no one's protecting me anymore. And I'm this innocent, just I think everybody's great and bright eyed, bushy tailed. And here's the big bad wolf coming to take advantage of me. It's just that these people tend to somehow always trust the wrong person. And shadow work here really just includes facing reality and getting grounded. So again, realizing the truth of the situation, trusting your intuition, and surrounding yourself with people who have your best interests at heart, and not just surrounding yourself with them, but making sure you listen to them and integrate what they're saying to you. It's not just, oh, you know, that person's bad for you, that person's bad for you, and then you don't listen. That's not going to help. You need to listen to what people are saying and try to understand why they're saying that. The innocent is hard because it's really born out of a place where you just think everyone's great. You think everyone's good. And I've been there. Again, this is an old shadow of mine. The innocent's sitting right here next to me, you know, today. And it's fully functional and wonderful. But it used to be a shadow. And that shadow was that I saw the good in everyone. I saw the merit in everyone. And I still to this day believe that everyone has good things about them, but that doesn't mean that they're good for me. Just because you have goodness doesn't mean I need to be a part of it. That's something I had to learn. And if this is a shadow for you, you're going to have to learn that as well. And you may never stop seeing the good in people. And you know what? I hope you don't stop seeing the good in people. I really hope you continue to see the good, but I hope that you can differentiate when it's for you and when it's not. The explorer or the seeker archetype. This is the archetype that makes us crave our own identity and causes us to go on a quest for self-discovery. This isn't strictly spiritual. It could be going to college, switching job fields, learning a new hobby, anything that expands your sense of self. That's going to be the explorer. This archetype carries the hero's journey vibe where you're going along and then all of a sudden you're thrown into this massive upheaval and transformation. It's very much Saturn return vibes. That's when the explorer is going to start cropping up. We generally have a sense of this archetype when we're younger, but it doesn't fully develop again until we're a little older 
and we have more governance over our lives. It's like a coming-of-age archetype, and that's why I said very Saturn Return. It's this, okay, kid, get out into the world and see what you can find. The explorer is curious and filled with a desire to learn. They aren't shy about asking questions, and they realize that everyone they meet has something they can ultimately teach them. And a well-functioning explorer is very open-minded and uh, seeks opportunities that suit them. The shadow side of the explorer is very obvious in some people. It shows up when someone conforms to other people's ideas and ideals their entire life, and they never really branch out on their own. They will even hold on to beliefs they were taught as a child and never branch out to learn anything new. They can become hostile when those beliefs are threatened. So we see this a lot with overbearing parents or just that sheltered lifestyle. So for the innocent, the sheltered lifestyle means that they don't know who to trust. Well, the sheltered lifestyle for the explorer means that they're defending ideals and beliefs that they might not even believe in or know why because they've never questioned them. They've never explored the world. They've just taken what they've been given and just taken it as gospel, really. These people have been made in the image of what others have wanted. Who they are today is not someone they consciously put together through their own experiences. And to someone with heavy Sagittarius placements, that just sounds like a true nightmare. Being cobbled together in the image that other people have wanted you to be? No, thank you. (laughs) As someone with a lot of Sagittarius, my explorer was on high once I was able to get out and really be on my own. So, can't relate (laughs) in this scenario. When this shadow comes knocking for these people, it's often in the most destructive way. They've been repressed most of their life, so now they're going to go and do anything and everything to break out. It's that old, like, strict parents and then going wild at college story. That's what this is. That's a lot of the times when you see the shadow explorer. It's when people have been sheltered and then they just go nuts when they get an inch of freedom. But it can go darker than that. People can get into hard drugs. They can be doing uh, anything to be looking for their next adrenaline rush and also forming obsessive tendencies that can lead to unhealthy dependencies can be seen with this shadow. This can go so unchecked that a person never feels happy and they refuse to settle and then they just go full nomad mode and they're constantly seeking whatever it is they think is going to make them feel whole. So basically one day they just freak out and they can move to another country or they just kind of run away or they get into something that is so out of character for them. And that's because the shadow is telling them run, run, explore, be free. And they're not doing it in a safe manner. They're not doing it in a reasonable manner because they have all this buildup from never having freedom before. This shadow usually crops up right around the time you have these big life events. So going off to college, changing jobs, getting married, anything that makes you plant roots and might restrict your freedom to roam and learn, that's when this shadow is going to come out. Working with the shadow explorer will force you to grow and choose a life path that will satiate your need for knowledge and self-growth. So as a Sagittarius, This was also a previous shadow of mine 
It was a mild one, I'll say. It was one of those that came up very situationally. It would come up when I would start to feel trapped in certain situations or when I was putting down roots and I thought, oh no, this is going to trap me. I'm going to end up boring, (laughs) which is a, you know, a life sentence to a Sagittarius. I would just feel like I'm getting trapped. And then I would have these little freak out moments where I was like, I got to get out of here. And uh, you just have to calm yourself down and realize that just because you're putting down roots doesn't mean you're going to be stuck. If anything, it means you're giving yourself a landing pad, a safe space to come back to after you're done exploring. So that was my personal journey with this shadow, which was realizing that having a stable foundation is actually pretty cool. It's actually really nice to have stability and uh, routine a little bit. You can change it up. No one's saying you can't do things differently. But working with the Explorer Shadow really teaches you that, okay, I can have stability and I can have freedom and I can still learn and grow even though I put roots down. The warrior or hero archetype. The warrior encompasses courage and motivation to the max. These qualities are used to push the warrior towards their goals and to face any fears along the way. The warrior will brave any obstacle, no matter how anxious or nervous it may make them. Someone with a strong warrior archetype is able to identify their own weaknesses and challenge them. Which, that kind of sounds like shadow work, doesn't it? You uh, decide that, you know what, I see my weaknesses, and I'm going to challenge them, I'm going to own them, and I'm going to work on them. So really, the warrior in all of us is activated when we decide to embark on a shadow work journey, or any time we do any sort of self-reflection. When someone has a strong warrior archetype, they're able to silence that little voice in their head that tells them they're going to fail. Or they hear it, but they ignore it and they push on anyway. We call upon the warrior whenever we're trying something new or embarking on a new adventure. You often see the warrior and the explorer hanging out together as they go hand in hand, really. You know, you have the explorer out there getting ready to start off on a new adventure, so the courage of the warrior is really helpful to the explorer. Having a solid warrior archetype will give someone the courage they need to explore and take on the world. But I think you can see how these two might get a little out of control if one or both of them happens to be in shadow form. If the explorer is in shadow form but the warrior isn't, then you're going to have someone who is just off the rails. You're going to have someone that's extremely courageous and isn't afraid to just run away, basically. And if you have the warrior in shadow form, but not the explorer, then you're going to see someone who wants so badly to get out into the world and try new things and explore, but they're afraid. They don't have the courage to do it, and that's really frustrating internally for them. And if they're both in shadow form, that's a whole other (laughs) bag of worms right there. We need the warrior to help push us throughout our lives. This is the part of us that enables us to try new things, learn new skills, and really just experience all that life has to offer. So it's not just that the warrior helps us overcome life's challenges, but really it's our passion, it's our zest, it's our fire for life. The warrior is also where we get our energy to stand firm in our beliefs and really fight for what we have in our hearts. It reminds me a little bit of like a lion. (laughs) It reminds me of a lion and just having like a brave heart and 
yeah, that's what I get from this. It's just a beautiful warrior that has a big heart and is true of heart even. Now for the other side of the coin, which is the shadow warrior. Let's start with what I said last, which was when the warrior is functioning well, we see someone who can stand proud in their beliefs and fight for what's in their heart. If we apply this to the shadow warrior, then we see someone who defends other people or other things that aren't in their best interests. The example that comes to mind is cult leaders. And uh, you often see uh, people who used to be in cults and some of them are still kind of defending the actions of the leader or they still might have a soft spot for that cult for whatever reason. And it's the brainwashing and all those other psychological reasons. But that's the shadow warrior. They probably got in the cult in the first place because they didn't have a strong sense of belief and will themselves. And then they found themselves in a cult. Which, speaking of cults, the shadow warriors often created in people who had the beliefs of their parents forced onto them. So now as adults, these people are standing up for beliefs that aren't really theirs and aren't really in their heart. It's just what they were told to do and always did. And it creates this sort of pressure cooker situation. One of the biggest clues that the shadow warrior is knocking is that you make decisions that go against your best interests the interests of others, or that are even self-sabotaging. There's an element of chaos seen with this shadow. Instead of using their energy to pursue their goals, these people will actively create chaotic and even dangerous situations for themselves. It's almost like these people have a chip on their shoulder and they have something to prove, so they do these over-the-top crazy things to prove themselves. But what are they really proving and who are they trying to prove it to? An example that I can think of is when you see people just out there doing ridiculous things and you know it's for attention and you know it's because they think it's going to get them some kind of clout or something like that and we all just kind of roll our eyes. That's someone's shadow warrior kind of acting up. The other side of this shadow is someone who refuses to take chances because they're scared. So you either have someone that is really overactive and is chaotic or you have someone that is kind of frozen in time. They're frozen with fear almost. They never leave their comfort zone, and uh, they're often afraid to speak their minds. They never ask for what they want, or really even make it known that they want something or need something. This version of the shadow warrior is terrified of how others will perceive them, and is then immobilized by that fear. An example would be learning a new skill, and being afraid of how you'll be perceived or even failing at doing it. Say you've always wanted to learn uh, how to mountain climb. That's a really extreme example. (laughs) But say you always wanted to learn how to mountain climb. And I mean, there's a lot of fears that could go with that one, and I could see why you'd be scared. So we're going to change the example. Say you always wanted to learn how to jump rope. (laughs) So you always wanted to learn how to jump rope. But you think, what if I'm bad at it? What if, I, what if I'm not good and people see me not being good and they make fun of me and all these things play in your head and then you just never try? You never ask for help, you never attempt it, and you never know how good you could have been at jump rope. I'm glad I changed that example because mountain climbing actually has real dangers. <laughs> jump rope was a much better example. Since the shadow warrior 
doesn't ever leave their comfort zone. They heavily rely on others to make decisions for them, which this can be a relic from childhood. If super strict, overbearing parents were in the picture, then they always made the decisions, and a healthy warrior archetype never got to develop. Overall, the shadow warrior does not trust themselves to be able to make the right decisions or know how to do anything of value without the guidance of someone who they deem as smarter or more qualified. These people lack trust in themselves, and they second-guess nearly everything they do and every idea they have. They'll oscillate between being overly confident, just to prove a point, and being completely immobilized by their own self-induced stage fright. While achieving goals can be hard for a shadow warrior, putting together an actual plan to work towards their goals is even harder. There's just this erratic, chaotic nature to the way the shadow warrior's energy works, and it's never in the native's favor. So if this is one of your shadows, you most likely, again, oscillate between being overly confident to the point that it's like unrealistic, and you don't know where that confidence came from, and then it fizzles out, to just completely being immobilized by your own fears, anxieties, and worries, and your energy, you can never really get a hold on it. Some days, again, you're full of zest, and other days, you can barely get out of bed. You need to find that balance that works for you, and this one's really about gaining confidence in yourself, and not that fake bravado that I was talking about that makes you act crazy, or that makes you, you know, spin out of control. Not that. Real confidence. Learning that it's okay to ask others for help if you want to learn to jump rope. The outlaw or rebel archetype. This is the last one we're going to do for today, and I think this is a really good one to end on, and uh, the rebel is just, they're a rebel. That's what they are. And this is big Aquarius energy. So this is very timely for all of the planets that are in Aquarius right now. So I think everybody's feeling the rebel archetype just a little bit right now. This has to do with the part of us that breaks away from tradition in search of our own meaning. This archetype is the type of person that pushes back against society and wants to break the societal constructs that hold them prisoner. The rebel really wants to get away from conventional society at all costs. The rebel is outspoken, but well-spoken. They aren't just blowing smoke up your ass. They know what they're talking about, and they talk about it passionately and persuasively. They can recognize when change is needed in the world, but they can also recognize when change is needed within themselves. I said it was big Aquarius energy, and I said that because the rebel really does oppose government, corporations, and just has the betterment of the world as a whole in mind. They're considered troublemakers and controversial, which I think they would take that as a compliment, honestly. If this is one of your dominant archetypes, not dominant shadow, but dominant archetype, then you're definitely going to take being a troublemaker and being controversial as a compliment and I assume you have Aquarius placements, if that's what you think is a compliment. The rebel challenges the matrix, the veil, the simulation, the illusion, whatever you want to call it. They are in search of the truth. The main characteristic, the main characteristic of a healthy rebel is that they do not disparage others. Remember this, that is the main characteristic of the rebel, a healthy rebel. 
They do not, do not disparage others. They are able to speak their truth while still respecting the differences or even ignorance of others. The rebel will not scoff at these people. Rather, they will offer positive solutions and be a source of information. I'm going to use my veganism as an example here again. It's the difference between someone screaming in your face to be vegan and someone politely explaining veganism and uh, the benefits to the environment, to your health, and to the welfare of animals. It's doing it in a way that doesn't belittle the other person's intelligence, beliefs, or their lack of knowledge even. A well-balanced rebel archetype is someone who can convey what they know and do it in a really compassionate way. Now, the shadow rebel is actually similar to the shadow explorer, so I'm not going to rehash everything, but I will go over a few key differences. Here we see people who hold on to ideals that no longer suit them, or they're defending ways of thinking that go against their best interests, which we've seen that a lot with this group of shadows today. One big staple for the shadow rebel is someone who would rather complain than take any real action. So that's a real big one for this, where they like to talk the talk, and they talk the talk, and they talk the talk, but you never see them walk the walk. To work with this shadow, it will take two things, and that's patience and logic. Nothing is worse than a shadow rebel paired with a warrior spirit. When those two link up, we see things that just go against the betterment of society. We see people who act before thinking things through and generally don't know the reasons why they're taking such a hard stance. An emboldened shadow rebel will often become a diehard conspiracy theorist, and I'm not discounting conspiracy theories, I'm saying like diehard conspiracy theorist. Like that's where the only place that they get any source of information is from a Reddit meme hole they went down at 3am and they refuse to believe anything anyone else says, conspiracy theorist. These uh, people can also be susceptible to cults and will just really generally end up losing touch with reality. You always hear this, you have that one friend that's like, yeah, you know, my dad or my friend or my coworker, we lost them. They're, <laughs> they're gone. That's when someone's shadow rebel is really rearing up. So it's really important to use logic and concrete reasoning when working with the rebel shadow, as emotions are likely to just heighten the situation. So if you are concerned that a loved one may have fallen victim to their shadow rebel, <laughs> please use logic. <laughs> no, it's not funny, but it kind of is. I think everything's funny. I don't know. Don't mind me. But the shadow rebel really does need logic. They need someone in their life who can get through to them and say, hey friend, I see all of the things you believe and they are valid, but let's just maybe like parse this out. Let's take it step by step and really see what could be plausible and what couldn't. And sometimes you'll get through to them and sometimes you won't. And that's okay. It's not your job to fix someone else's shadow. That's for them to do. Those are our four archetypes for this week. Join me back here next Monday and we'll be finishing up the last four, which that's where most of my prominent archetypes and shadows are. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> I'll be able to give you more real life examples. I'm trying to be very open 
about my archetypes and my shadows because they're nothing to be ashamed of. We're all human and we all go through these things. We all have to deal with these archetypes and these shadows at some point in our lives. If you want more moon content before next week, head on over to Instagram at moonmatters.astro. Stop by, say hello, tell me what Jungian archetypes you're vibing with so far and which ones you think might be a shadow. (laughs) 